Now, you should also check out our show. You're, you can find it now in so many other places. I'm so excited about this, guys, to make this announcement. You can find us on Spotify and also on iTunes. So just search Spotify for Somewhere in the Middle or iTunes for Somewhere in the Middle podcast. Now, I also want to shout out Bruce George of the Genius is Common movement, which encourages all of us to embrace our inner genius and share it with the world. This is such an important message, and we really need to share it with the youth. But it's not a message just for the youth. We all need to remember the world needs our genius. And you need to open up and share your genius with us so that we can all become better with what you know. And sharing that knowledge with us will help us do that. Learn more about the Genius is Common movement at http colon slash slash www.geniusiscommon.com. I am super excited to introduce my guest for tonight. And I'm just going to tell you a little bit about him. Mitchell Levy is the AHA guy at AHA That, which is founded H-T-T-P-S, A-H, well, I guess you got to do all the slashes and all that. You guys know how that works. AhaThat.com. And what he does is he empowers thought leaders to share their genius. Mitchell's superpower is extracting the genius from your head in a two-hour interview so you can share it with those that need to see it. He's an accomplished entrepreneur who has created 20 businesses in Silicon Valley. Can you believe that? 20 businesses, and that includes four publishing companies that have published over 800 books. Mitchell also is a TEDx speaker and an international best-selling author with 59 business books. He's provided strategic consulting to over 100 companies, has advised over 500 CEOs on critical business issues, and has been chairman of the board of a NASDAQ-listed company. In addition to these accomplishments, he's been happily married for 28 years and regularly spends four weeks annually in a European country with his family and friends. And I can tell you that I am very, very jealous of that. Uh, who wouldn't want to hang out in Europe for a few weeks and with friends and family eating and drinking and partying? Come on, man. I would like to welcome Mitchell Levy to Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Berard. Thank you so much, Mitchell, for coming on the show. My pleasure. I, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to take a recording of how you said that because it sounded so good. So thank you. <laughs> well, no, you. And I know that's just a fraction of what could be said about you. Um, and so this is what we're going to get into in this interview. And I think you may already have heard, I like to start an interview with two questions, and that's because I believe they lead right into what you're doing and why you're doing it. So here are my two questions. Are you ready? Sure. All right. Mitchell Levy, who are you, and how did you become who you are today? Who am I? That's always such a fun question because it's so open contextually. So as a human, uh, father, husband, uh, friend, family member, uh, nephew, uncle, essentially, who am I? I'm, I'm the person that you're, who you hear now is the same person that 
you'll see uh, when I'm with friends, when I'm with family, when I'm with uh, clients, when I'm with my prospects. So I, I think I found that the person you want to be, the person who you want to represent yourself, if, if there's no differences, I, when I was growing up, there was absolutely, uh, as part of the industrial age, there was a difference between who we represented ourselves at work and who we ultimately were at home. And for me, I'm the same. So who am I? I'm the guy who likes to help other people be successful. I like to see the big picture, and I often see something better in the person I'm interacting with than they see themselves. So I see potential in people that of who they are and where they can go and what they can do. And, and it's always fun to be able to um, sort of blow on the flame that may already exist or to kindle a flame that may have slightly gone out. And even right before this conversation, uh, somebody had mentioned, Mitchell, you and I talked last summer. So we talked uh, 11 months ago, and you gave me an idea, which I've been thinking about and executing on, and, and this is what I'm doing. And you know, it's working, and I really want to thank you for that. And those are the things that really stroke my fire when I can help people be successful, when I could give them what they already have but just fine-tune it in such a way that those that need to hear them actually do get a chance to actually to see them for who they really are and to be able to, for them to be able to unleash their superpowers on the world. That is absolutely amazing. And what it does is it makes me key on a couple of things that you said. The first one, of course, is helping other people to be successful. So how do you do that? <laughs> well, I have a very tactical approach today. So let's, let me start with what did that mean to me in the past, and I'll finish with what that means to me today. Is that, is, is mm -hmm. that an okay way to go? So, That's great. So in the, in the past, what I, what I always thought I was good at, what I've always able to do is and, and now this is going to sound silly because I only speak one language, English. And, and mm -hmm. I, I, for somebody who spends time in Europe, it's, I, I just, it's horrible how Americans only typically speak one language and those <laughs> that speak more. I'm always so excited for them. And, but what I do do is I do speak multiple people languages. And that is, I could listen to an engineer and relate to what an engineer says and then move over to the marketing person to understand what they said and move over to the finance person. And, you know, they can get in a fight simply because their frame of reference, their context is different. Mm -hmm. And during the dot-com days when there was this new technology coming out that was going to tremendously transform how we were going to interact and how we were going to do business. And we were actually these large companies were going to talk directly to customers, whether they were B2C customers or B2B customers. And manufacturers were going to be able to drop ship directly from their manufacturer supplier directly to the customer. Those are things that were unheard of 25 years ago. And so this, mm -hmm. it, this technology came out, and I was known as the guy who helped people paint a vision. So in the past, I'd say I was able to paint a, paint a picture for people that would allow them to um, have their light bulb turn on. They just see the world slightly differently. Mm 
And, and in the past, helping other people was, was simply um, painting big picture theories, painting strategies, painting ideas that would allow people to see a vision of the future that's different than the vision that they may see today. Mm-hmm. So let me, let me talk about today. Today is a lot different than it's ever been because now that the Internet is – we're probably uh, – this is a bigger picture uh, conversation. We could potentially come back. The, the Internet's going to go through five evolutions. We're in the third one. So right. now that we're halfway towards the transformation from the industrial society to the social age, what happens is people recognize, and, and this is uh, where we are right now is an example of one, Everyone has a microphone and everyone has a camera, right? Mm-hmm. And who's listening and why and how? And the interesting part of that is just simply just because everyone has and everyone can doesn't mean that you're doing it in the right way to attract your audience. Now, just because everyone does and can doesn't mean that everyone is. And one of the things that's important and what I talked about in the TED Talk was and is in a fundamentally simplistic way, and we've heard this before, but I'll, I'll talk about it more, is we do business with those that we know, like, and trust, right? And so we, we need to get to know somebody before we can get to like and trust them, but let's assume once you meet somebody, you got to like and trust them. You need to act even at the beginning of the program when you ask me the question, if you're really you, you're, you're a lot, hopefully, a lot more likable, certainly more trust, uh, trustworthy if, you, if what you say is what you do and who you are with your family is the same as who you are outside, assuming who you are is, by general nature, a good person. Mm-hmm. So what I do today is, is the, really the no part of the no like and trust. And the interesting part of what's happened in the world is, is the transformation of books, you know, Amazon is significantly more than a book company. Uh, but it started with books because it was the most inefficient process that was easy to transform. And although books are a commodity these days, because anyone who wants to can create a Word document, uh, bring it over to CreateSpace, Amazon's product, and publish it as a book and become an author, that doesn't mean it's a book that anyone will see or read or enjoy. And although it's a commodity, here's the dichotomy. It is still the number one tool that anyone could have to actually show they're an expert in the space. I didn't say, no, no, this word was used very carefully. I didn't say the expert in the space. I just said mm-hmm. an expert in the space. Right. Because when we have a problem, what do we do? What well, depends on the severity of the problem, right? It, 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 you, you said before you have kids, if, if you're son or daughter. Uh, I have both, two daughters and a oh, son. Okay. Got it. So if, if your daughter or your son came to you and they stubbed their toe and they said, oh, mom, this really hurts, who do they go to? They, they go to their thought leader. They go to their expert. They go to mom, mm-hmm. right? Or I'm not feeling good because who do they go to? They go to their expert. Well, that's because of physical proximity and, and how they were raised and everything. That's who, they, that's who they go to. So if you have a problem, who do you go to? Well, if you know your friends solved that problem in the past, you may go to them because they've, they've spent time and energy trying to solve it. Uh, you may end up going to Google. You may end up going to many people, including my son who's now 20. He goes to YouTube to help solve these problems. And what ultimately happens is if you run across somebody who looks like they solved the problem in the past and they look like they understand the world, you're going to go then and ask the question. 
And so that's what I do is I pull the genius out of somebody's head in a two-hour interview, have a team of ghostwriters who actually then write, uh, write the book, and, and, and we create an aha book. So we write the book in the way that we speak today, seven-second sound bites. And okay. we publish a book who's, who is uh, essentially the title of the book is the pain point that is solved in the minds of their prospects. Right, so at the end of the day, if you're looking for somebody, if you have a problem, that's typically when somebody has a pain is when they look for help. So if somebody has a pain and they go to Google and they say, help me, here's my problem, if the title of the book that comes up is, is your book because we created it for you in the AHA That platform, that person is at least perceived as an expert and will get a call or get an email and get talked to. And that's the superpower is we do our high-end product Essentially, it's a two-hour interview, probably two or three hours of review time, and then the book is done in four to eight weeks. That's crazy. Nobody else in the world does that. That is crazy. That is, that's an intensive project. So tell me, you mentioned AHA. We didn't really talk about what specifically that is. So what is your concept, AHA? What is that? Yeah, so it's – the platform is ahathat.com. So it's just A-H-A-T-H-A-T.com. And there's, there's two aspects of, the, of, of that. So let me give both of you don't mind. One is having content to share, and the other is having your content to share, right? So, mm-hmm. so today, if anyone wants content to share, that platform, ahathat.com, is free to use, free to share, there are 44,000 aha messages, basically seven-second soundbites, seven-second Twitter-type Twitter uh, quotes that you can share on a number of different topics. And so it's very cool. Uh, you go to ahathat.com. You can use it as a guest, sign up as a user, and start sharing content on uh, the social media platform that you like, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Google+. And what's unique about this versus any other platform I've seen is that every quote, every aha message in the platform gives attribution back to the author. So you don't have to worry about copyright and violating. You could steal every potential quote you want from aha that. If you want to write an article on purpose or positivity or you name the, you name the phrase, you can go to ahathat.com, you type in the phrase, you can see you know, tens or hundreds of aha messages, and you can include them exactly as is in the article you're writing and start quoting other thought leaders in the marketplace. And you could do that today simply because if you're publishing on aha that, once again, we give the attribution to the author in every quote we, we give. So mm-hmm. let, me, let me give you an example of an aha so we can make it real. Yeah. Um, so there's, like I said, there's 44,000 of them. I did a TED Talk called Being Seen and Being Heard as a Thought Leader. Um, if you go to YouTube, you can just type in being seen and being heard as a thought leader, or you can type in Mitchell Levy TED Talk. And what I ended up doing when that was done, by the way, I loved it. Oh, my God, it was so much fun to do. Completely transformed my thinking process and who I was and how people interact with me. So wow. if you have an opportunity to watch TED or be part of the TED community in any way, please take advantage of it. It's, it's, it's transformative. So I – did the TED Talk, and then when I was done, it was such a whirlwind. I go, well, how do I market a TED Talk? How do I get more people to watch? And I go, oh, well, I'm a publisher. I should write a book. I should, I should drink my own Kool-Aid or take my mm-hmm. own medicine or whatever metaphor you want to use. And, 
<laughs> what I ended up doing is I remember it's a two-hour interview um, is all that's needed. So I said, well, maybe I want other thought leaders to be part of that book. So I interviewed four other thought leaders. So I, interviewed, I basically did four half-hour interviews. And out of every half-hour interview, when you're having a conversation like this, you produce 40 or 50 aha messages, which, by the way, was a, which, which is by itself an aha message. Out of every half-hour of dialogue, you produce 40 or 50 aha messages. So wow. what I want to do is I created this aha book, and, and an aha book typically has 140 bite-sized quotes and seven blog posts. So it's, it's like a book. We produce it. It's got 120 pages. It's just much easier to consume because we don't necessarily have the time to read a book that has 40,000 words. Some people do. Uh, but if you're busy like anyone else, you just want to make sure somebody has expertise in an area. So my book, Being Seen and Being Heard as a Thought Leader, has 140 bite-sized quotes. It has a front matter and back matter. And what I want to do is tell you about one of, the, one of the contributors to the book. So a guy by the name of Robert Clancy. Robert has a half million followers on Facebook. And he has aha number four in the book. And so I'm going to share with you what that is. Robert says that good thought leaders are at the top of the mountain. Great thought leaders are at the bottom of the mountain helping others climb up. Oh, Wow. It's hard. So to me, that's what an aha message is. When somebody hears it, they go, well, who's the author? In this case, you heard that in relation to the book, Being Seen and Being Heard as a Thought Leader. So uh -huh. obviously, what is a thought leader? And how do thought leaders act? And what do they do? Well, that aha message should tell you everything. Every day you have an opportunity to help other people be lifted is a day in which you could both have fun, and if you get, to get paid for it, you're delivering value to the world, getting paid for it, and having fun, right? That's, a, that's that tri-factor. And so that's what an AHA message is, and what we do is, is we have them in the AHA That platform. We also turn them into PDF, Kindle, paperback, and hardcover. And so we print, given that books typically are a commodity these days, I decided to take the opposite effect. So we pay a lot of money to produce our books, and that's because we do both hardcover and paperback, and we print color on the inside. Mm -hmm. So the messages are powerful because they're not just this standard black and white printed on yucky paper. You know, it's a nice, compelling book, and the goal of any book we write is to encourage the other person to go, oh, I need to talk to this person, so I'll give you a Another example, we, uh, one of our authors has the name Laura Socola. Laura has a TED Talk that has 4.8 million views. Crazy. I could only wish that that happens for me. <laughs> and she's a leadership coach. She helps people maximize their influence. So as we were talking, I go, well, Laura, I think the title of your book should be Maximize Your Leadership Influence. Right, so if you're inside a company and, and you think your employees are not treating you uh, as well as they should or they're not actually giving you all the respect you need, Laura's the person you hire, so you might Google something that ultimately comes up with Laura's book. And inside her book, what she does, she talks about her business. And her business is to help people both speak better, and that is how they speak, how they sound, what they say, and what they look like when they're speaking. 
right? And that's what hmm. she does. And so, you know, we did the two-hour interview, and then we went back and forth for her. She did a lot more editing than your standard person because for her, her book needed to represent her. So she spent more than those five hours um, making her book happen. But her content is crazy amazing, right? And so the, the thing that was interesting there – oh, let me, let me continue. Laura's still writing a more traditional book. It might take her a year or two to write her book and get it published. In the meantime, she has a book in the marketplace that she's using with her clients. Right. And that's what we're talking about. If you're an expert in an area, what's the best thing you could do? Well, do you walk up to somebody in a cocktail party and say, hey, I'm, I'm an expert at making sh- – right, how about this? <laughs> I notice that you walk with a limp. I'm an expert at helping people not walk with a limp. Or I notice that you speak with a lisp. Or – I see that you haven't been as successful in your job as you should be. Can I help you? Like, that's not how we work today. We don't want people to come to us that way. But if you have a book whose title is the pain that somebody's feeling, so think about this. Let's, uh, and I'll, I'll wrap up after, after this statement. <laughs> Let's imagine you're, you're in a group of 30 or 50 people, and uh, it's some meeting. You're being educated on something. And sometime during the meeting, everyone gets a chance to stand up and say who they are. As a matter of fact, I was at, a, I was at an event with 150 people, and everyone had a chance to say who they are. And one of the things they said up front is, by the way, everyone in this room is a consultant and a best-selling author and a speaker, and a coach. So don't say that when you stand up. And by the way, there are still people who stand up. So if everyone in the room is an author like you, and everyone in the room is a best-selling author, coach, speaker, when you stand up and say, I'm a speaker, and I speak on stages around the world, and this person stands <laughs> up and says the same, it doesn't mean anything, right? right so right. instead, when I stood up, what I said is, hey, I'm Mitchell Levy. I empower thought leaders and experts to share their genius, and I'm the international best-selling author of the book, Being Seen and Being Heard as a Thought Leader. Now, sometimes I throw in that TEDx talk as well, same title. So Mm -hmm. I did a TEDx talk and have an international best-selling book called, right? And then what happens is, well, if you want to be seen and be heard as a thought leader, you're like, oh, don't I need to talk to Mitchell? You know, and that's the, the point. I didn't say everyone in the room needs to talk to me because obviously everyone would just shun me for a statement like that. <laughs> but rather I said, here's the title of the book and here's what it's done. And, and then people come to me afterwards and say, Hey, could you sign a copy of the book or can I get a copy or tell me more about what you do? And, and that's the world we live in today. It's a lot more social. Yeah. And it's true what you said, that people would not want you to say, hey, y'all all need to talk to me, even though most of the folks in that room probably did need to talk to you, because even though they were best-selling authors or you know, leaders in their area, maybe they, didn't, they probably didn't have as much of a reach as they might have wanted to. And so, but if you had said that, they would definitely have been bummed about that because nobody wants to be told that. Yeah. (laughs) But the way you did it drew them in. Yeah. But, well, let me, let me make one more statement on that. Lots of people think, oh, I already have my book. I spent, I spent two years writing it. I spent over a thousand hours. I don't need another book. Well, (laughs) so I would say that's probably an issue, right? Because it's great to have that one big book, but 
is anyone ever going to read it? Um, and the answer is, you know, unless it's uh, taught in a college course, probably not. And yep. now people might look at it and crack it open. So imagine if instead of that one book or in addition to that one book, you had 20 books that were in the AHA format and each one mm-hmm. specifically focused on a topic. So uh, I'll, I'll give you another example. Uh, we had a CEO of a, of a company called Sign Now. Sign Now is a document signing, online document signing. It's, yep. it's a, DocuSign is a competitor of what they do. And, and they were presenting at a conference. It was actually the NetSuite conference. I was speaking to the CEO six weeks before the conference. And I said, his name is Ken Groey. I said, you know, Ken, let me, let me see if I get this right. You're going to be exhibiting at a conference. You, you haven't bought the tchotchke items, you know, those coffee cups and mouse pads and all those silly things that yeah. people throw out when they bring home. You haven't brought your tchotchke items out. And what you're really looking at is people are going to be at the conference, and when they go to your exhibit booth, they're going to figure out, well, how does your product relate to the the product, the conference that they're at, and how do they use all this new technology, and particularly mobile technology, how do they use mobile technology in this product to be more successful? And he goes, yeah, that's right. I said, well, I got the title of your book. And first of all, he didn't think he was actually going to write a book in six weeks. And I said, Ken, the title of your book should be, and I love to make you a best-selling author, the title of the book is Leveraging NetSuite and Your Mobile Device to make more money. And it took him a second to think about it. He goes, you know, Mitchell, if I say yes to this, I'm going to be saying yes to three books, not one. I go, uh-huh. Because <laughs> what he got right away is how valuable this could be for him. Right. And then when he goes to the next conference, leveraging Salesforce and your mobile device to make more money. And so, and then when he does stuff at, and every conference, every audience. So for somebody who has that, big book, that's great. What I'd say is how cool would it be is if you had a particular pain point you're solving and you've delineated that pain point to a very targeted market and that was a book. So you had a book for every target market you're going after, for every pain point you're going after. This way when somebody goes to ask that question on Google, how do I make more money as a dentist um, who has a four-person practice, uh, there's a book with that title, right? Because all of a sudden the person who sees that goes, oh, this expert must know exactly my pain. That's so what that's we're doing. Concept, so, yeah. That's the yeah. concept of niching, niching your market, market, finding a really, really well-defined niche for that oh, message. Thank you. Thank you for my aha moment because I've been saying that but not using the word niche. And it just so <laughs> encapsulates, encapsulates what I need to say. Um, so thank you. I will borrow that and use that because, yeah, that's really what you're doing. You're niching your market, but you're doing it in every niche you're going after. You have a, a new book that says, hey, I'm the expert in this area. Well, let me ask you a question. So, and actually, I want to say something first. When you said, well, who's going to read that book? I was thinking, yeah, I have tons of books on my bookshelf that I bought but haven't had a chance to read yet, like tons of them. <laughs> it's a very it. shameful thought, just, by, just so you know. I'm really well, ashamed it, of myself. It, it, <laughs> no, no, but don't – here's the thing. There's some uh, – it, it's an interesting psychology. When we have a problem, sometimes – 
the problem is solved when we take the first step, right? So the fact that you right. bought a book to solve a problem, you're like, oh, man, I, I bought the book. That's really cool. And, and, and then life gets in the way of you executing that next step. But if, if that problem is now not as important as the next things you're doing, you, you solve the problem by actually purchasing the book. And unfortunately, there's some there, – there, human nature is that we, 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 always, we don't always spend time on, on the stuff that is really, really important to us when urgent things come along. Right, the Stephen yeah. Covey Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. We, we really need to spend stuff uh, time on the stuff that's really important to us, but may, may not be urgent today. Yeah, and uh, we don't always do that. And and yeah, so yeah, there are many books that people don't read, which is unfortunate. Well, that's why this is a brilliant concept because so I was looking at the format of the book, and it's like. Big, it's big print. There are images, there's color, and it's easy to read. So you could theoretically pick it up, read a few pages very easily, and then, oh, I've got to go, like for me, I've got to go run up to the, to the school around the corner. I've got to, you know, and then come back and, again, pick up and not feel like you're missing information because you put it down for a while. You know what I mean? You can pick up and put down, pick up and put down, or you can finish it all very quickly. You have, you know, you have some options there in terms of how you can take that information in. Yes. And, and, and let me add on that. What's, what's fascinating, because every, every page has one or two aha messages, and those aha messages are designed to be standalone. Mm-hmm. Let's say you picked up the book and you gave it a minute and you read four or five aha messages, if one of those aha messages was enough to completely transform your thinking process, you don't need to read anything else. The goal is Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's like snippets, snippets, of, snippets of wisdom is what it was like. That's what it's like, snippets of wisdom that you can take on board and, and really um, kind of integrate into your thinking. Yeah. Can, can, I, can I share another story that I think is – Relevant to what you just said? Yes, please. So we, I was speaking with uh, a gentleman by the name of Joseph Ramseth. Joseph, Joseph was running a conference um, called the Global Influence Summit, and I was speaking to him four weeks and two days before the conference and just telling him about the concept. And he goes, oh, my God, Mitchell, this is absolutely fantastic. He goes, it's just, it's just too bad we weren't speaking months before. Because, you know, Mitchell, I'd like to have everyone at the conference to have a copy of my book, which, of course, hadn't been written yet. And I said, well, Joseph, four weeks and two days is a little tight, but I think we can pull it off. So here's what happened. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, we, I mean, obviously, we had to work hard. Uh, uh, four weeks and two days after that first conversation was day one of his event. We released his book on that day. 150 people in the room had a copy of his book. He gave two keynote speeches, and his, his book is, is called Go Ahead, Start a Movement. And, and then one of the other things was, which was cool was there was somebody else on the stage teaching people how to do an Amazon bestseller campaign, and it became an international best-selling book in nine countries. Wow. And that was from four weeks and two days. So I, I want to give you that prelude and then tell you about AHA number 51. And this is, this is really powerful, so I'll just leave a little bit of silence when it's done. It says, what if this very moment 
was exactly why you were alive, what would you do with it? It's powerful. Yeah, that's, that is a powerful thought. It's one of those things that if, if you picked up Joseph's book, you cracked it open halfway through, you read AHA number 51, and that made you think that you were not doing what you need to do on a daily basis, and that was the turning point, do you need to read the rest of his book? I mean, you might get value out of it, but the answer is no, because that one AHA message might be enough. To change everything for you, absolutely change everything for you. Hmm. Well, then that makes me ask another question. So a lot of people, you know, the, the term thought leadership is kind of tossed around, right? We have all kinds of coaches and all kinds of folks on the Internet throwing around that term thought leadership. What is thought leadership exactly? <laughs> so there are many different uh, answers to that question. So let me start with what thought leadership was 20-plus years ago, okay. right? 20-plus years ago, prior to the, the real proliferation of the Internet, our thought leaders were brought to us by the broadcast media, by the publishing companies, uh, by the, the folks that were telling us essentially um, who we were going to – by the recording studios, who we were going to watch on TV – uh, what books we were going to read and who we were going to listen to. And, and we were absolutely um, told 100% who our thought leaders were. And at the time, those, those companies, they wanted their thought leaders to control their audience. And so what would happen is the thought leader would say, hey, jump, and their flock would say, how high? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how it worked then. And, and uh, you know, if, if, if somebody like a Tom Peters or a Stephen Covey just said go, everyone went in that direction because they were the thought leaders. Mm-hmm. And what happens when everyone has a microphone is that also everyone is smarter and everyone has multiple choices and, and not everyone jumps. And they don't want to listen to people say go this way. They want to, you know, with, with a generic answer, they want the real answer. And so I have, as part of my TED Talk, I have a, a slide you can see. It's a two-by-two two that talks about thought leadership. And I think of thought leadership as audience by content. And so, so you have to imagine a two-by-two two box is basically for two lines uh, in, in the middle of the page uh, that, that intersect. And in the lower left-hand quadrant is somebody that has no content and new, no audience. They're, they're unknown. In the upper left-hand quadrant, is somebody who has a large following, a large audience, but their content is really narrow. Uh-huh. Now, during those old days when, when you wanted somebody to have a, a flock that just followed, that, that person was called an evangelist. And the evangelist said, jump, and this is cool, and this is the direction we're going, and everyone followed. And, and that's uh-huh. what worked then, and that was good. But nowadays, um, and this is sort of what we talked about before, you want to do business with people you know, like, and trust. And trust is, is brought about by the nature of showing that we have integrity and vulnerability and authenticity. And if you're an evangelist and you have very narrow content, 
you're, it doesn't seem like you're being authentic. It doesn't seem like you're demonstrating integrity. I, you can't trust somebody. If you don't trust somebody, you're not going to do business with them. So evangelists, business evangelists are no longer as relevant as they were back then. So let's go to the bottom right-hand quadrant, and that's the expert. The person who has a good amount of content but a very narrow audience, right? And in the space you play, you're an expert. If you're a shoe cobbler and you've helped cobble 10,000 shoes or, or 1,000 shoes or whatever number, when you looked at a shoe, you could tell exactly what to do with it, guess what? You're an expert. And the difference between the word expert and recognized expert is the fact that people know you're the expert. And what I'm going to uh, throw out there is that the difference between thought leadership and recognized expert is very narrow. Because one of the things that's important in the old days when there was really just a small number of people who are quote-unquote thought leaders, you needed to figure out how do you get into that. You're either somebody who is that thought leader or you're a thought leader follower, right, helping them right. proselytize their thought leadership. Nowadays, um, the best type of person you could be is somebody who could help solve the problem of the individual or the company or the, that you're actually dealing with. And, and so it's making sure that you deliver the right amount of content to the right audience. And it doesn't, what that means is you don't have to, it, it, if you have a very small geographic region that you're dealing with, you don't need to deal with content outside that. You just want to make sure that that small geography knows who you are. And if you're the recognized expert, you are by definition also the thought leader in that space. Because there's not just a thought leader in today's world. We recognize that there are many thought leaders. And, and so thought leadership or being a, a thought leader or a recognized expert is really the goal of who you want to be. And if you can do it, once again, in an area that you have passion for, in an area that you get enjoyment out of, and it's, it, for me, it goes back to if you could help other people be successful in whatever you do, i.e., they're interested in paying you for doing that. And if you love what you, that piece, then you're actually do, you're getting paid for doing things that you love. And if work equals play, then you get to play all the time. Wow, that's awesome. That is an awesome way of discussing those the quadrants. I remember that from your TED Talk. And if, if, you, if folks haven't seen the TED Talk, please look that up. I love TED Talks, by the way. I could sit down and watch them all day, except I do have to get other things done. <laughs> I feel smarter every time I watch a TED Talk. I just There's so many wonderful concepts there. But I do remember you talking about that. And how do you how do people move from one quadrant to the other? Like, is it, I know that you have the, the book, but what about other things? Should they be using social media? Should they, what else should they be doing to help move from one quadrant? Let's say the lots of content and very narrow influence or very few followers, if you will, into yeah. a recognized uh, expert or thought leadership position, what other tools can they use to do that? Got it. And that's probably the right area to go, go to. So if you're not an expert in an area, well, first goal is to become an expert in an area, right? Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. it, it, 
It's, uh, it's hard to say I can, uh, let's see, if you go to the doctor's office or go to surgery because you need surgery done, and, and the person says, well, I, I, hold on one second, let me, let me read the manual, and, and then I'll figure out where to cut first. <laughs> You're not going to feel very comfortable with that, right? <laughs> and that's why we have laws and we have degrees and people get trained on doing things successful in a successful way. So let's assume that you want to spend time uh, being in, you know, you have expertise and you want to get it known. So by the way, let me just, uh, if you want to move into an expert status, one of the things that, that can help you depending on what you're doing is if you talked to, if you did nothing more than talk to 30 to 50 people and ask the same set of questions, you'll become much more, you'll have a lot more expertise in a particular area, right? So a number of our authors, what they did is they actually went ahead and interviewed people for their aha messages. And you spend, uh, we, had, uh, we had somebody who spent, uh, was actually a millennial. She did a book called Millennial Pet Peeves, and she, sp- she spoke to 30 to 50 people on Millennial Pet Peeves. And it was amazing to, I, it wasn't necessarily the learning she got from the pet peeves, because as a millennial, she had many, right? But it was how people communicated that and what bothered some people versus others. And I wouldn't say she was the expert in the world, a millennial pet peeves, but I would say after 50 interviews, she had serious expertise on millennial pet peeves, which right. is kind of an interesting way to, to become an expert. So to move from expert status to recognize expert status, obviously it depends so much on where you're playing and what you're doing. There's no one easy answer, right? Because mm-hmm. we now have, uh, even if for some odd reason, let's say there was a gift of a million dollars or $10 million bestowed your way, and you spent tons of money on Facebook and Google ads, that does not necessarily mean you're recognized, although politicians would uh, tend to argue with that statement. Um, so depending on who you are and what you're doing, the types of things that look at other people that are getting their brands out there. Uh, as horrible as this sounds, the porn industry is always the first to try new technologies and do things yep. in a different way. And because what, they, what they're trying to do is always reach both their existing and generate a new audience. Mm-hmm. Politicians do a great job at getting the brand out there. And even if the brand they, they present themselves at is not truly the brand that they are underneath, that watching what politicians do is, is also a good way. What I'd say for me the one of the most important elements is you need you need to be able to put a stake in the ground right so what gives you that expertise right do you a lot of times people get that by speaking at conferences so imagine you, you go into a room and there are a hundred people in it and and two of them or three of them are keynote speakers and there are not many people hanging around them well who do you gravitate to well the person who spoke because you think they know more so right. speaking um, publicly is a great way to get your brand out there. Another stake in the ground is somebody who teaches at a university, right? For whatever reason, we, we bestow honor on people who are teaching, regardless of whether or not it's, it's an extension to a university, a professional mm-hmm. development extension, or actually undergrad or graduate mm-hmm. work, 
right? So we look at those. And, and another piece, another stake in the ground is, is having a book. And, and so the, the reason the model, and, and I, I've been book publishing since 2005, the reason we, we've set on the model we have now is because if you could do a book in five hours of your time, you now have, as a matter of fact, I'll step back for a second, you have a lot more time to do other things. Right. So let me, let me step back and, and give you a, let me answer your question, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to uh, get myself back into that. Mm-hmm. So as I've been thinking about the TED Talk, as I've been thinking about who we need to be as humans, let me, let me give you a couple things. I, originally, I always thought it was three things. We, we, no matter who you are in business, if you're an expert, you also need to be, if you want to have a successful entrepreneurial business, you need to be a salesperson, right? You need to at least sell the person on the other side of the table that you can solve their problem, right? So we all need to be salespeople. Guess what? We also all need to be marketing people. Whether or not we're paying an outside firm to do marketing for us or whether we do five minutes a day on social media, we also all need to be marketing people. And to be successful, what we need to do is we all need to be organized. By definition, we all need a component of project management. And I used to stop there. So, so we, you know, good entrepreneurs are salespeople, they're marketing people, they're project managers, they're organized. And I used to stop there, and, and I was having a really robust conversation with one of my hopefully soon-to-be partners who is a lawyer, and she got me thinking about the fact that I think we all need to be lawyers as well, right? You need to know enough about what's going on because at the end of the day, I, for me, I love shaking hands, right? That, mm-hmm. To me, my mm-hmm. word is my bond. So you mm-hmm. and I agree on something. I'm going to deliver it regardless of what the piece of paper says. But you still need a contract. And, right. And so lawyers charge, I mean, some of the guys I talk to are 600 bucks an hour. But let's say we're talking at lower end, 200 or 300 bucks an hour. Guys, if you got a contract that's easy to read and see an issue and you could save two to 300 bucks by reading it yourself, uh, please. So I think we all need to be lawyers as well. So remember, so project managers, lawyers, um, sales and marketing people, we need to have a little bit of expertise. Now on the sales and marketing side, what needs to happen is we need to figure out what is the best way to both communicate we have expertise and at the same time attract people to want to at least talk to us, right? And and you hear there's so many different uh, areas and and ways to do that. Um, There are a lot of people who are spending money on creating online funnels. So an online funnel is where you're doing either Google ads or Facebook ads, and you drop people into a particular area, so you attract them with either a free webinar or a free book, and then once they do that, they get on the mailing list, and then you follow through with a series of engagements mm-hmm. to the point where they actually buy. So the first thing I'm going to say is don't waste your time and money paying for an online funnel until you have a manual funnel that works in the real world that you know that works. Right? You can't automate something that you don't know if it works, spending money on it and doing it online doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work. So we, we kind of think of the world where there's this nirvana, 
that all of a sudden somebody's going to come by and they're going to solve our problem. And, and it doesn't quite work that way. And so there are many people who are out there who say, hey, I'll create a funnel for you. And, yep, your stuff looks like this person's and you're going to convert and you're going to make a ton of money. And, and unfortunately, there are many people who have spent, if you get that million dollars, there are many people who have spent money building funnels and online sites and all these other things, and they have not come true. And so then the, the pendulum swings back on the other area. Oh, social media doesn't work. Well, I, I will tell you, social media works well, but it's important to include social, you personally, you as the CEO of your company or you as the expert of your company. You need to be social with the people you're interacting with, and the media is just a place to get your brand out a little bit further. So to try to string it, string it together, having a stake in the ground that says you're the author of the book is a great way to communicate to people. So depending on what you're doing, um, if you're physically getting in front of your clients, well, the worst thing in the world you could do is say, hey, I'm the author of this book and I'm charging 20 bucks for it, but I'll give it to you for $10, right? Well, right. what are you doing with that? You're, you're, you're trying to force them to give you money before they get to know you, and then you're telling them that your stuff is so discounted it's not worth 20 bucks that okay. they only have to pay you 10. So instead, um, tell them that, man, you are so amazing. I'd love to be able to give you a copy of your book. Can I give you a personalized autograph? Right? You're not saying uh. anything about the value. The value of the book is still 20 bucks. You're giving somebody $20 and you're customizing an autograph. By the way, the, the trick to creating autographs, I've, I've, I have 59 of my books. Every mm -hmm. book has its own standard autograph that goes with the title, right? So if my pain point is being seen and being heard as a thought leader, my custom signature is I'm looking forward to reading and sharing your content. Ah, okay, gotcha. Right? Or I'm looking mm -hmm. forward to reading and sharing your thought leadership, Right? So you want to paint the benefit. So if right. the title of the book is the pain point, my, my autograph signature is the benefit. So you're right? reinforcing the message, of, too. You're reinforcing yeah, the you're message reinforcing with that. you're reinforcing the message. And, no, here's the important part. I'm spending money. I'm buying these books, and I'm giving mm -hmm. them to my audience. But I have eliminated the friction of trying to – come to them and say, buy my book, buy my book. I'm in the back of the room, buy my book, right? You don't want to do that mm -hmm. because the book is not where you make your money. You make your money by the product you're selling or the service you're selling and delivering, right? The speaking, the coaching, the consulting, the products. Right. That's where you make your money. Your book is just an asset that gets your brand out there. And, and so what has to happen is many people feel – that once they spend the energy writing a book, the book will sell itself. But once again, it doesn't work that way these days. Your job is to find a stake. So if you're teaching, that's great because people are coming to you, right? If you're, uh -huh. if you're, if you're running a radio show, hopefully people are seeing you. Now what you need to do is the radio show is a part of you, like what we're doing here. Your job right. is to get people to come and listen to your radio show, right? right. It's not – whether or not they listen to the show doesn't have – 
shouldn't necessarily, if they don't listen to the show, doesn't mean they don't like you. It just means they don't find the time. Your job is just to make it worthwhile for them to want to listen to your show. And if they listen to your show and they like it, then hopefully they want to do something else with you. Right. right. And, and so that's uh, your job in today's world is, is figure out if you're going to spend some time, spend the time on the stuff that's going to get you out there as a salesperson and a marketer for your business. So I'll, I'll give you one last story, and then we'll wait for another question. <laughs> so, so this one is interesting. Um, having published 800 books, what I can tell you, I love the spine of a 120-page book. So if somebody's going to write a 120-page book, it's typically somewhere around 25,000 words. It will take about a, uh, 120 hours. It's about an hour a page on average. Okay. Uh-huh. So that's a so to write a book, it's 120 hours. Now that elapsed time could be as little as two months, could be as long as a couple of years. So that's one thing. And then a lot of times people want to publish because it's so easy to publish yourself. People want to save money. And and what we what I could tell you is we save the author with all the services we provide about 200 hours. So let's add those two things together: 120 hours to write. And 200 hours to publish. That's 320 hours. So our solution is five hours versus 320. So here's the question. If you had a book in your hand and 315 hours to market yourself, what do you think that would do to your life? And the answer should be, holy cow, I never looked yeah. at it that way. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, because time is at a premium, especially if you are uh, a business person. I mean, even um, let's just not even say that. You know, you're you are an expert in some area, but you still have your your full time gig, and you have you know a husband or wife, and you have kids or whatever it is that you have that fills your time. You know, volunteer things and all that. Getting that three hundred hours back changes things. Yeah. So use it, right? I mean, yeah. It, and for most businesses, if you were able to say, now, now here's an interesting thing. Just because you have an extra 300 hours doesn't mean you're going to use it appro- appropriately, right? Right, so right. We all you know that. Have to be, you, have to, you have to say, if I spent even 100 hours marketing myself with this new asset that demonstrates I'm an expert, what's that going to do for me? Well, it, it, what most people do is they're penny foolish. They're going to say, oh, yeah, well, I want to write myself. I'll save a little money. Oh, I want to publish myself. I'll save a little bit of money. And, and, and what they don't recognize is the value of time because the person who is your competitor, who is potentially anywhere in the world, they may be doing things, and there are so many competitors today. Your job is to make sure, at least in whatever space you play in, that people know about you. And, and unfortunately, there's no one answer, right? In the old days when there were three TV stations, you get on one, you know, yeah. or, 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 or authors who, who got on Oprah. You know, the Oprah effect was all of a sudden they were huge, right? Right. That sort of thing doesn't, doesn't exist today, and so you don't know where to play, so you should play in a bunch of different places. And any one of them can turn out to be pretty significant, but if you don't have time, you get to choose one. If you right. have more time, you get to choose a couple, right? Or, and, and that's really up to you. But at the end of the day, 
people, I've had authors tell me, I don't give my books, like, like when authors buy into a package, they might buy, you know, uh, a couple hundred books or some authors mm-hmm. have purchased mm-hmm. as little as a hundred bucks. You know, and three years later, uh, you know, if, if they haven't placed a new order, I kind of wonder why did they write the book in the first place? Right? Mm. Because if you're running into people who you're prospects, it's, it's not about – everyone keeps looking at J.K. Rawlings. They go, oh, man, I want to make money selling my book. Right. That's not what your book is for. Right. <laughs> right? It, you may right. get lucky. And, and I have to tell you, with 800 authors, I do write some really nice royalty checks. But every right. royalty check I write, that author is making at least six or ten times as much in their traditional business. Right. The book is the entree. The book is the, the, the way to get into to someone's hands and, and get into someone's mind that, oh, this is someone I should pay attention to. Yes. So if that's the case, then why not spend five hours on it with a good, compelling hardcover book that's color on the inside or a paperback book that's color on the inside that is easily shareable on social media? Yeah, that, that's what – so when you – at the beginning of the show, you said, Mitchell – what do you do to help transform people? It's, it's really the understanding of this conversation and to go, oh, I got it. You, you, you gave me that aha. I now know what I need to do. Whether or not it's my platform or something else, it's create that, that element that allows you to be perceived as the expert in your space and then make sure that those people who need to see it see that you're the expert in that space. And then, of course, Here's the most important part. Be human because you're not going to create something and one day people come to you and say, here's my check. You're still going to have to have that conversation with people because people want to be pampered is the word that comes to mind, but people want to be talked to and they want to they know that you can solve their problem. And even if their problem is the same or similar to other people like them, they still want to feel like they're unique and you're solving their unique problem. And so that requires a conversation. That requires human interaction. And, and the social age is an age in which we're going back to a world where we do have more human interaction, and that's a positive thing. Definitely, definitely. Wow. Well, Mitchell, this, this has been amazing. You've shared so <laughs> much you. with us. Um, we're coming to the top of the hour, and we're going to be wrapping up. But what do you have going on that you want our listeners to know about? Hmm. There's always lots of fun stuff going on. I, <laughs> I have a show called Thought Leader Life. You can check out a lot of the stuff I do. I experiment on my YouTube channel, which is just uh, uh, Mitchell Levy is the name of that channel. Uh, I think probably the if you want to connect to me, the for me, what I try to do is interact with the people that, uh, that interact with me on the platform they want to play with. So if you just Google my name, Mitchell, M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L, last name Levy, L-E-V-Y, I'll take up five of the top ten uh, spots. And, and the social media companies are spending hundreds of millions of dollars to make sure that your name and their platform pops up. So mm-hmm, feel free mm-hmm. to connect to me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Google+, Instagram, Snap. Uh, whatever platform is appropriate to you, I'll try to get back to you on that. And if this conversation was interesting enough, if you're really the expert that needs to be known, 
um, go to ahathat.com. At, at ahathat.com slash author, uh, we've got a three-step writing process if you decide to write yourself or if you want to press the easy button. Uh, reach out on the link on the page and let us uh, – right now I'm the, I'm the guy, the primary person doing the interviews. So let me do a two-hour interview for you and let us ghostwrite your book so that you can be that expert that really people are looking to to help solve that problem that you solve. And, and that, to me, that's so much fun is pulling out those nuggets um, from, from those that I talk to. I uh, did another one last night. It was, it was my birthday yesterday. So I, my birthday present to me was to do one of these interviews. And, oh, and I cool. tell you, as I'm pulling out these nuggets, I'm like, oh, God, I'm so glad I did this. <laughs> this is so much fun. <laughs> well, I love interviewing people because you learn so much and you get such different perspectives. I mean, there's nothing quite like it in terms of connecting with other people and really kind of seeing what's in other people's brains and how they think. And it does shift your way of thinking about things. You know, you learn so much from other people. Just conversation. Oh, but this conversation is affected by those I've interviewed in the past, and I even remember a particular part of this conversation that came out of yesterday's conversation. So, yes, and that's a beautiful thing. Once again, you're going back to being social and being human and interacting with others. And seeing that we all are connected in some kind of way. You know, even mm. where we don't agree, even where we don't agree, we're all connected and we can certainly learn from one another or at least come to understand one another better, which is really the vision of this show. So I want to thank you for coming and contributing to that. Thank you for joining me here on Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Barard. I'm happy to have been in the middle. My pleasure. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks, Michelle. Well, that's our show this week, guys. You can reach out to me online at urbanbookeditor.com or on Facebook and Instagram as Urban Book Editor. Send me a note. I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to send in some topics you'd like us to cover on the show. Just like I said before, we are going to be growing this platform, and we really want to know what you want to hear about. Again, a big shout-out to Beverly Black, Tribe Family Channel, and all the members of Tribe Family Channel. It is a pleasure and an honor to be associated with her and that great family of programs. Make sure you guys tune into the show on June 1st when our guests will be Daisy Brown and Philip Helinski. You can find us every other Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Eastern at bit.ly slash somewhere in the middle radio. That's bit.ly slash somewhere in the middle radio. You can also find us at bit.ly, bit.ly slash somewhere in the middle podcast. Let's continue the conversation. You guys be good, stay mindful, and remain prayerful. 